Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Jonathan's Take. I'm your host, Jonathan Lim. Uh, in case you <laughs> weren't familiar with the show already, this is episode, I want to say, number four. Uh, last week, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, my camp time story where I pranked my friends, David Nola. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, there were others, but uh, <laughs> uh, goodness, no, I already revealed their names. Um, so last week we talked a little bit about uh, a prank that my friend James and I had pulled, and uh, and I had him on the air, and it was a it was a good fun time. Um, so definitely check out last week's. Uh, also, there was apparently an uploading issue, but I'll be reissuing that today, so not to worry about that. Um, to bring everyone up to speed. Uh, I had a midterm yesterday, which I studied days for, um, yet for some reason, uh, at 11 a.m., I could not function as a human being, and I I think I hopefully passed, um, and that's a, that's a definite hopeful, um, but, you know, it is what it is, and of course, it feels kind of, kind of meh if you don't feel like you've done the best that you could have done and know you could have done. And I think, you know, it takes, it takes a moment to take a step back and to just realize that the issues that you have right now, you know, whether it be that you're confined to your apartment, that you're, you know, you have to put off your plans for a trip later, you know, those are problems that a lot of other people wish that they had in comparison to other ones. And I just want to take some time to just really you know, take a deep breath in and just appreciate, you know, all that, you know, life has provided for all of us as well. And just really understand that we very much are blessed to be listening to the radio, to be, you know, confined in an apartment that, you know, we at least have ways to entertain ourselves and we don't have to worry about the roof over our heads. You can now exhale. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's always good to especially if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling a bit down, just to look around you and, and just really look how far you yourself have come to get to this point, to where your problems are. The internet's down. You know, Netflix isn't working. Uh, I can't find the last piece to my puzzle. You know, these are problems that, you know, that you are blessed to have. And I think I think it's really, really good to ground ourselves as well. Um other than that, uh, I we have a show coming up tomorrow. Um, it is the Blast from the Past podcast where I uh, host with Adley. We will be talking about Legend of Zelda. So if you're a huge Zelda fan, you should definitely, definitely check out that episode. We're very excited to tell you guys all about that. Um, I'll leave the rest of that for tomorrow. Um, yeah, other than that, I've started watching this, uh, this Netflix show. Uh, Black Summer. The Black Summer takes place in modern times, I guess. Uh, actually, it was created in 2019. But anyways, there is this outbreak. Um, zombies. And let me tell you, I am a huge, huge critic when it comes to these kind of films. I tend to make up my mind in the first 10 minutes when it comes to something of the sort. If it feels and looks like a kind of slapstick, low-budget, just thrown-together film, I tend to just go to something else. But 
there was a moment where I almost turned off the show and it was, uh, it was, there was a camera movement that just felt a, a bit too much. You could tell that it was just shot without a tripod, without really that sort of thing. And I wasn't sure if I really wanted it to be that for the rest of the uh, 20 minutes that was for the episode. But I stuck through it. I, I hovered over the button a little bit, but eventually, you know, they, they really, really took the, uh, the story by storm. And I think that's also another thing to note about Black Summers. The story really, really takes off, and there's a lot of different paths that uh, occur to get to where, you know, the main story unfolds. And that, actually, that I really like. It's, you know, seeing all different angles. You know, it looks a certain way over here, but then if you view it from another side, from another person's perspective, you see the entire story. And that's what I also really, really like about Black Summer. Blah, blah, blah. Black Summer, time for some water. But you should definitely check that out if you're looking for any new Netflix shows to watch, uh, especially during this quarantine time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's it for new Netflix shows. Other than that, I've been <laughs> expanding my uh, game library, if you may. I recently purchased the latest Tomb Raider. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna have a glass of water live on air. Tell you what, let's uh, let's go ahead and cut to a music, uh, cut to a song. This is actually a song from my childhood. This is from the movie uh, An American Tale, uh, which tells a story about this uh, young little mouse, Fievel, whose family is originally from uh, Russia, I, I think, and they come to America for the first time on the boats, and it's it's a very, very cute story. I, uh, yeah, I actually grew up watching the later installment, Fievel Goes West, but we'll We'll talk about that a little later. This is somewhere out there from An American Tale.
somewhere out there from an American tale. That was actually James Ingram and uh, Linda... Oop, hold on. That was actually James Ingram and Linda Runstad from the uh, 1986, I believe. Uh, anyways, it was a long time ago. I <laughs> I remember, um, you know, growing up, you, you hear a lot of these songs and they always kind of have like that similar feeling. And you can never really see that today in a lot of places there's just like a sense of uh it usually happens and if you recall uh it's always like a scene where the two main characters who are clearly supposed to fall for one another uh go through some sort of like uh you know some sort of dark area with like lights glowing or some something of the sort and it's supposed to be like a very enchanting experience and uh and yeah, it's funny enough, uh, James Cameron's guilty of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, that was a lot of the uh, the way that they did things back there. It was, uh, it was just a really kind of uh, very chest deep, uh, you know, God, it's so hard to explain it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it has a certain 90s vibe to it that, you know, you just can't replicate today because that's just not what we're into today. We're into a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of Beyonce, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm just saying the the taste is is very much different today than it was back then. And, you know, it's just interesting to see how far we've come. Anyways, to uh, really get things going... Um, so today, I really wanted to talk a little bit about how much uh, how much different you know the culture has kind of become uh, in times of quarantine. We're seeing a lot of people um, act out, especially from the uh, the government quarantine uh, standards that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, if you haven't heard already, we've uh, now been extended to stay at home until uh, around June first. This is, uh, this is, 
news to, well, I wouldn't say really news to a lot of people since we kind of already expected it to kind of happen in some uh, way, shape, or form. But, you know, we're seeing a a lot of, uh, you know, our friends, you know, do, you know, this puts a lot of us on different sides of the, uh, of the spectrum on how deadly and how risky is coronavirus. Um, Is it something that you have to, you know, really take a precaution against, or is it something that's just really just to keep uh, the mass majority of people uh, healthy and safe? I mean, it's also, it's also a little bit of a, of both, you know, you, you know, you, you take the information that you get, and from that, you make a, a judgment on how you will act as a person, and I think it's quite interesting, you know, I, I, I know a few friends that are very, very divided on the subject, you know, they, they find it just a bit too much. They feel that the media has ramped up the risk and the dangers of coronavirus very much so like they did uh, with Ebola uh, all the way back in, I think, 2016 or or I think that maybe 2014, doesn't matter. Um, but I mean, media is also a huge part in uh, people's outlook on a lot of these things. And I think it's it's very important to note that, you know, a lot of these people that are panicking or hoarding as well as protesting are actually in response to, you know, the media's role in it. You know, for one thing that we've learned over time, it's that media will always uh, try to take a tiny thing, a small little speck on our little globe, and expand it to where it feels like that is the only truth that is out there. It denies every single other possibility. And I think that's also another thing that you have to think about when you know you see these people protesting, you see these people hoarding. They're taking this one little thing and they're acting upon that one tiny little fact without looking at the bigger picture. And from that, you know, we see, you know, family, you know, reunions. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, of course, whenever you meet a distant family, you're ten- going to tend to have different belief systems. You know, we see a lot of these people, uh, friends of mine, you know, adamantly just find the whole thing completely ridiculous. They don't, they do not see the danger in the coronavirus. They find that it is a media hype given they have, you know, the media has hyped situations in the past. On the other side, you know, we have people that are way overboard. I mean, being extra cautious is not necessarily a bad thing. But it is when you begin to start to try to take the next step. Do you hoard up for four months, for you know, a year on end, denying you know resources resources to other people? No, you know, there is there is a certain you know balance to that as well. And I think that's something that also is a bit lost during this time. You know, it's everyone's trying to find where they stand on the spectrum. And I think as far as politics goes. Right now, there is a huge uh, change in, you know, exactly uh, in the political structures as well. You know, people are looking for answers. And by the definition of politics, you know, this is the control and the uh, distribution of resources. And we're finding that there's, there's a lot of people that are actually going without, you know, people were without toilet paper for quite a while. 
and as well as hand sanitizer, as well as soap. You know, these are basic necessities that people really needed. And, you know, you look to your your uh, politicians, you say, you know, why, why is this not here? Why do I not have this in my hand right now? Why? And, you know, we see that the entire political spectrum is being sh- shaken up. And I think actually from this there, you know, we'll have some sort of the old structures as well left behind. But what you'll also find is that, you know, a new sort of, uh, I guess, belief system in politics will sort of emerge from all of this. And I, I, I'm seeing that very much so, you know, as, you know, I guess your politics during this time would be, you know, <laughs> how, how much toilet paper do I need to buy or, or, you know, how true is this? You know, faith is, sh- uh, is being tested, you know, uh, logic and, and, you know, I guess mental prowess is also being put through the filter as well. But I think it's also very just, I think it's a very defining moment, especially for this new decade that we're in. We're only, God, it's still April. Uh, we're only four, four months in. And already I think that we've kind of developed this sort of culture from being in quarantine as well. And I think, I think that's something uh, to consider as you go through this. You know, who will you be at the end of all this? What, how has this changed you and in what way? I think that's a great transition. <laughs> I think that's a great transition actually to our next song, which I'll play for you. This is a song that was written during uh, the South African uh, apartheid uh, during the 80s. And I think this uh, the song did a lot uh, to help those that were uh, being segregated and to help uh, bring some relief for those uh, that were in the uh, non-white majority, actually, uh, to be able to, to help support themselves during this time. And this is We Are the World. Uh, from from just so many, but the composer was Quincy Jones. Here it is.
And that was We Are the World uh, by USA for Africa. You might remember, uh, you might have heard some familiar voices. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> That's my voice. This is uh, this is how I transitioned into a man. Um, <laughs> there goes the door. No. Uh, so you'd probably recognize a few of the voices there. That was uh, Bruce Springsteen. There was Tom Petty. There was uh, Bono. There was, uh, God, Huey Lewis in the news was there. You know, Michael Jackson, of course. You know, uh, a lot of these star singers from the 80s uh, all came together to help, you know, put together this amazing piece of work. And, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it raised uh, quite a bit of money. I, I think, uh, let me look up the exact number uh, while we wait. But, uh, but anyways, um, but yeah, so uh, moving on to the next point. Um, during this time, many of you who actually know me personally, I... I love to travel. It is one of the things that I am grateful for, as well as really enjoy doing. I like to, you know, experience a lot of, you know, different places, you know, go to, uh, for instance, you know, <laughs> maybe this isn't a great example here. I love going to Germany. No, but, uh, but no, I, I love traveling to, to Asia, to a lot of these uh, different places uh, that really kind of take me out of the element, the uh, the last place that I went to that really pushed kind of me out of mine was actually in Mexico a couple years back. Um, I actually did wind up getting uh, jumped uh, in Mexico, so that was a fun experience. I don't think I shall be returning anytime soon with anyone that I care about. Uh, no, it's fine. It was a just gas station attendant. Um, but anyways, but no, it was a... Uh, I, I really enjoy doing so, and I, during this time, since we're not allowed to travel, a lot of the things that I really am glad that I do when I do travel is actually record, uh, record the entire experience. I, so during this time where I can't travel, I actually go back and I watch a lot of the memories um, that I had uh, on these different adventures that I've had. Um, for instance, one being an Isle of Man, another... Uh, being this uh, incredible and beautiful bike ride that I did all the way from Amsterdam to Berlin uh, just a couple years ago. It was actually my first first week in Amsterdam. I I literally had enough time to get adjusted to the time difference, which was uh, nine hours coming from LA, get a bike, get bike bags, get everything I needed for my trip, and then some, and then just set off just biking. I... My first day, I biked all the way to Zwolle. And let me tell you, that journey, uh, 10 kilometers of it, I had missed a, I'd missed a fork in the road. So I had gone down the wrong side, uh, according to Google Maps. And I had biked two kilometers uh, or something of the sort down the road. And I realized because when I came to a river where I needed to be was on the other side of that river and I very much was not on that side of the river and there was no way to trek it because the water was way too deep I had electronics uh my whole stuff with me and my uh, bike bag so what I had to do was I actually had to bike alongside uh not alongside on but in the grass area by the freeway I I had to trudge through this very, very uneven uh, plot of soil for 10 kilometers of it. And all the while, I'm there, 
you know, as I'm trekking, I get cars just honking their horns at me. And of course it's like, yeah, of course I know I'm an idiot. You know, you don't have to remind me. And, uh, and yeah, so that was a, a full, full two hours of, of the 12 hour day that I had. And that, so that was the epic first day of my bike journey. I did wind up in Zwolle and it was, I have to say, camping in the middle of the forest in Zwolle was quite an experience. I, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was damn terrifying, but, but I did make it. It was a very, very fun journey. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm actually really glad I wound up, wound up doing that trip. It really set the bar of what I know I could do as a person especially being alone, being able to find a place to sleep, being able to pitch a tent, uh, book a campsite with no Wi-Fi at the time. Apparently I was supposed to have Wi-Fi, but they never updated the settings. And so, and so this is, uh, this is one of the, uh, one of the things that you also experience going on a bike trip. It's just the, uh, overwhelming amount of shit that goes wrong. So I learned real quick, uh, you know, that you always, always make sure that you have uh, something to plug the holes in your tire. Thankfully, I had that. Uh, by the way, in case you heard that door, that was actually uh, my co-host for my show tomorrow, uh, Adley De Bruin. Uh, say hi, Adley. You're- hi, guys. Hi, I. And uh, yeah, so that was a surprise guest that just walked in through the door. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's good of you to uh, take due to account it because I know that most people when they are from abroad and they they come to the Netherlands and they buy a bike and uh, not sure if they are completely, I mean, comfortable cycling because I see a lot of people from other countries who are not completely comfortable cycling. And then there's like cycling in a town, and then there's cycling in Amsterdam, which is like taking the Olympics of cycling. I mean, Amsterdam is a completely different deal, but anyhow, they try, which is good. Yeah. Um, and uh, they usually, whenever they get the bike, they get the repair kit. Um, and then they usually run into the fact how to use the repair kit. You know, I was going on the trip with uh, a good friend of mine from Sweden, and um, and there were two holes in my back tire after going through this uh, off-journey uh, adventure. Good. Uh, led by Google, sponsored by Google, Jonathan's Off Journey Adventure, which I glad gladly recorded the entire uh, duration of this uh, quote unquote road that they had us go down. It was a forest. Right. It was it was a goddamn forest, and there was just bushels upon bushels of thorns and and no berries. It was just thorn. Like there was no like plus side to that. It was just it was. Bullshit. You and and pain and and most likely you know thorns in you your know, hands. You know, I'm pretty sure my friend was going to kill me. She she was. I I think about like 50 percent of the trip, she was pretty pissed uh, with how slow I was going. I'm like, oh, there's a hole in the tire. That's why. Uh, it would make sense, you know. Yeah. I mean, holes in a tire are generally not very good when it comes to I mean cycling up speed. But why, Jonathan? Why would you take like your average city bike on an off road track? That's I wanted that- to prove a point. Also, it was the only bike I I have I, I have owned in years, and I really wanted to just take it. Out. I mean, I got one with gears. Having gears doesn't mean it's suitable to go off road. Well, I didn't plan on going off road. It just 
happened. Right. Anyways, uh, you know, it could be a lot worse because what I see nowadays is that people are doing this again, but then they have the phone on the steering because they're playing Pokemon Go at the same time and they're trying to chase something that's around. Okay, I feel like you just called me out on that. And I don't appreciate that <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it's good to have you on the show. This is such an unexpected surprise. I was like, who the hell's opening the door in the middle of my goddamn speech? It's me. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here till tomorrow. I know, but yeah, I had to do some stuff. So I, I figured I'd come over and then I heard your recording. I was like, who's going to crash this episode? It's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, well, thankfully, thankfully you did a little bit. I, uh, I already started talking about politics and... Uh, Oh, painful, painful, painful moment in your life. Painful. By the moment. way, fun fact: I never script these shows. This is just me completely spitballing. Like this is completely just out of thin air, and it's. Uh, I, I think that's just the best way to go about things. I mean, you should always have a plan. I just didn't make a plan yesterday because I was burned out from the midterm. I get it. Yeah. I mean, having midterms in these times, um, I see a lot of people. Uh, experiencing doing school stuff in a very different way. For example, this morning I had a presentation and normally I would work very structured. And right now what I did to give myself some structure is hang up a big like whiteboard, write all the assignments with the dates I have to mean on there and just stripe them off as I go. This is normally not me. I have a color coordinated calendar normally. Oh which yeah, hour I've, I've seen your notes. They're like a complete rainbow of different inks and colors yeah. that could possibly like there are colors on there that i didn't even know existed like mm. what the hell's for cheese yeah you know it's uh, a yeah, uh, you know that's that's just my thing and now i have a stripy whiteboard and i miss my own color coordinated like hyperactive yeah anyhow students um some of them are really good and they really maintain like a daily daily schedule and stuff and i just went Ballpark. I just cross off. Ballpark. Da, da, da. Is that a thing here in the Netherlands? Ballpark. Yeah. Ballpark. Yeah, I'm just from ballpark, and I just you know I just stripe up whatever I've done, and I see people trying to fix their assignments like a minute for the deadline. Nice. Classic student. Yeah, of course. I mean, fuck it. You know, it's uh, you're gonna wait till the last minute. You know, you're gonna enjoy as well. <laughs> you're gonna try and work as hard as you can. Mm. God knows it's damn near impossible to work during this time. And suddenly, you like an hour before the deadline, I have so much motivation. I wish I had that amount of motivation. I wish I had that for before. like the full week before. Yeah. Like it's like it, yeah. I can't tap that source of me no, until like it. four hours before yeah. a due date. Yeah, it's true. It's like a secret pond which is like locked inside of you and just opens up whenever there's a deadline approaching. I wish I could say it was adrenaline, but mm, I don't think so. I think it's sheer fear. Sheer fear. Yeah. Uh, you know, you should <laughs> you should sell a drink called Sheer Fear. Activates your inner student. <laughs> your inner oh, Asian I, student. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the right most the hideous exam. cocktail of all kinds of Oh, it consists of coffee, hot sauce. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, Vodka, ginger? probably some Vodka. ginger. You're gonna stick some minty bits in there. Maybe like crushed tears ice. of the first year students. Yeah, yeah. Talk about tears. They actually said something interesting uh, on the news yesterday. I didn't notice, but apparently the first rain after a week in summer is called tears of the gods. I was like, oh, tears of it. the gods. And those story, blood of the gods. Uh, which are usually referred to as tears. It was very complicated. I mean, I did Latin and Greek, and I also did history of that section of the world, and I didn't have a clue. So first rain of spring. First rain after a long period of like warmth, which... To What's long? I guess to this account, it was a week. Mm, fair uh, enough. Or they said it hadn't like legitly rained... Um, last rain was on the 7th of April or something, and then, you know, the first 
rain comes out and apparently it has this distinct smell because all of the bacteria and microorganisms that are on the floor and they start floating through the air and just well that's why you don't drive uh, when it's like light rain because that's when the oil just rises above the surface and it's yeah. a lot more dangerous so a lot of the gods rain. yeah Fair yeah the because gods. they had cars back then car gods yeah car definitely. gods yeah. no way back like two four thousand bc they were just Driving hover cars. Makes sense, you know, Cadillac, Bentley, Chrysler, you know, Volkswagen, really sounds godly. Yeah, it was just Jesus car. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the one brand, it was a monopoly, then they, then they had enough, and the cars cars branched off, they all they all spoke, they all took different fuel, mm, and I guess. Uh, just like, uh, like they did with the languages and the fire in the tongue, you know, just like that, you know, one way went diesel, the other way went electric, and, uh, and then... The midsection chose gasoline because exactly. there was so much available of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or the gods have exactly presented to be so much. Oh, I feel of like it this in is an Indiana Jones plot waiting to happen. I feel like you know this guy who wrote. Um, oh, good lord! I think it was called Dan Brown. He wrote all the books on uh, some mystery books. Oh, I see that. Is it right in front of me? The Da Vinci Code. He. Could, oh yeah, could, he Da Vinci could, Code. He could pretty nicely write a book about this. Yeah, I, I whenever I hear the uh, Da Vinci Code, I always think of Tom Hanks, but also like long hair Tom Hanks, which I'm not, I don't really like the haircut. I'm not gonna lie, it, it makes me a bit uncomfortable. I like short hair Tom Hanks, so that's a fine, fine haircut, yeah. but when it gets like long hair with like a little bit of like a, you know, receding no. hairline, it's a... No, he should remain short haired, but he did very I well in, the, in those movies, I think, to be fair. Well, yeah, of course it's fake, yeah. No, but I nope. think he he did well I, as an actor. I, oh no, I, yeah, I the acting it. was fine. It's just that haircut. <laughs> I know you're you're awkward around the just haircut, but name a movie called Da Vinci Code Haircut. You know, instead of just instead of uncut or you know maybe this is on a the director's decision thing. making on why to make that character have that long of a haircut. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure we're all going to be having that haircut very soon. I'm already starting to see it. I am desperate to go to a hairdresser. Anyhow, but my hairdresser is closed until further notice. And exactly. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And at some point, I'm going to stumble over my own curls, which is going to I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to let one of my friends actually cut my hair. She, oh, Jonathan. She really wants to cut it. Oh, Jonathan, don't. You have such nice hair. I don't hair. trust her, though. Oh, <laughs> She's like, I'll give you nice a hair. fine haircut. Well, thank you. Well, what's nice about my hair, just so the audience knows? What's nice about your hair is that it's actually thick and you have a lot of volume in your hair. It has a slight curl. It has a distinct curls in the front of, of your, like near your forehead where it just flows over your forehead. Oh, it's really curl. nice. Yeah, my uh, my hairstylist actually always says, she's like, every time she's cutting my hair, she's like, oh my God, this volume, like it's just, it's so nice. I'm like, just cut the damn hair. Yeah, no. <laughs> she's like, I, I feel so sad cutting it, you know? But, oh God, uh, that that's one step too far even for me. I mean, I like hair, and I take good care of my hair, but that's one step I mean, you got to love your profession. Uh, definitely, especially now, sitting at home, not cutting hair. These people must be so desperate. Exactly. How many times have they cut their own hair? Uh, well, from what I've heard, it's extremely difficult, and I can also understand this, to cut your own hair. Because yes. there's a certain, you know, your arms only go a certain you know, to it, a certain extent. And well, you know, these people of Cirque yeah. du Soleil never tend to have a problem with that. 
Well, yeah, but I don't think they cut their own hair. I'm not sure. They usually bald, so that would make sense. That is true. Mm. It's from all the attempts of trying to cut their own hair, probably. And Most then likely. they just decide to just shave it all off for the show. It's a lot more convenient, you It's know? a lot more convenient. Yeah. yeah. I actually... I'm going to predict that most men during this period, if it's going to take on for very long, are going to go bald, actually, because it's it's so much easier for guys to go bald. Ooh, I have a couple of friends in mind for that. Oh. Yeah. I was seeing it <laughs> go. Revenge tactics. <laughs> no, these are friends. These are friends. But, you know, it's it's sad. The, actually, the word friends is in revenge. Refriends. Something like that. It's just No, it's not. Not Re-friends. in English. Not an English speaker. Nay. Nay. Nay, I say. <laughs> Nay, I say. But what uh, are you in Parliament now in Britain? Speaking of Britain, uh, the nays have it. Exactly. No, it's um. There was a one of our board members, James, actually texted texted me, telling me about the show, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I see sausages are playing," and this is this is my British accent. I know it's great. It's up there with a uh, Dick Van Dyke. Anyways, but apparently, right, darling. But apparently, it's slang for uh, for tunes playing. Apparently. Right. Sausages playing. And I was like, no, no. He didn't say sausage. So- like, damn it. Uh, he said, uh, oh, God. I forget what he said. What, what sausages in Britain again? Bangers. He said bangers playing. And uh, Usually, I would refer to bangers as being something else, but okay. But anyways, uh, besides the point, um, I completely forgot the point. I was actually going to cut to a song right about now, since it's 42. Uh, Let's go to a song. Can you think of a song off the top of your head? Actually, I, uh, I, uh, well, he's probably not listening. So uh, I got my boyfriend a gift for his birthday, which is coming up. Ooh. And um, so because it's not in this country, I made a little video. So to introduce it to him and I used a part of the song, uh, of the remixed song of Fast Car um, for that video. And I noticed actually how much better I like the remix than the original version. I know people are going to kill me now. Fair enough. Uh, the remix by Jonas Blue? Yes. Very nice. All right, here it is. Uh, fast Car. Radio Edit. I'm 
Never the bottle was the way it is Said his body's too old for working His body's too young to look like his Mowing off and left him She wanted more from life than he could give I said somebody's got to take care of him So I quit school and that's what I did You got a fast car We go cruising and sit ourselves You still ain't got a job Not work in the market as a checkout girl actually really nice yeah i mean all the like the original folks are probably gonna kill you now for the fact that saying that the remix is actually pretty nice because most people think well, i think both of them are nice i mean but that was uh, a very uh, unexpected pleasant uh sound to my ears <laughs> <laughs> so the the thing for me with this song is is that it, if i put this on i'm in a car i tend to speed a lot but I have that with a lot of songs <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm a real road rage driver. To be fair, I'm not sure how I passed for my license the first time, and also for the. I theory. don't know how either. Like, do you drive a manual or an automatic? I used to drive a manual, and now I drive an automatic because I have issues with my ankle. The joint is not as good as it used to be. It's it's not at all good. So doing the shifting, um, it's it doesn't really work, especially when I'm in traffic. It just hurts too much. So then I switch to an automatic. Where the years go? <laughs> I feel so starting old. to catch up with us, huh? I feel so old, but I've also driven so many cars. I've been fortunate enough to drive really nice Audis, Jaguars. I owned a BMW for a while, which actually the company owned. I didn't, but they just let me drive it. So it was really nice. Um, and I've always been a speeder and a road rager, but these cars kind of demanded it of me. So that was nice. And now I have a very small Mercedes, which doesn't allow me to do that. So that's good. Very nice. Very nice. So I uh, I tried to drive a stick shift for the first time in Germany when my host from Couchsurfing actually uh, needed a favor of me. And uh, that's not as suggestive as it sounds. He needed me to drive his big-ass fucking tractor through town. And given <laughs> this town was about five houses and a bunch of fucking cows. So I'm like, I've, I get there. I go in the tractor. I'm like, what, what the fuck's this? He's like, oh, it's a stick shift. Yeah. I'm like, you said you drive. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, an I drive a Prius. <laughs> so, and so I'm in this huge fucking tractor and he's like, okay, okay. We're going to do a little bit of a instruction instructions. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he had that pause too, cause he's a uh, German, but, um, but anyway, so I'm going down like this cornfield patch and I'm like, all right. Yeah. Oh yeah you went too fast you yeah. know it was it was a lot of trial and error eventually yeah. i finally got it up to 
gear three. Wow. Before, before I got to, uh, to too much corn. So, <laughs> oh, 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 good Lord. We decided at the end of it that he would just get his brother to do it later. So that was my first ever experience. I still have the footage on my phone. Still need to edit that. Still it's been two years. Two years. I should probably do that at the end of all this. Yeah. Edit the final. I'd love to see that. That's going to be so much fun. Now, so in this country, it's pretty normal that you, if you start as a learner, you start learning driving a stick shift car. Uh, because if you start driving an automatic car straight away, you get an adapted license and you cannot drive a stick shift car. If you do do that with an automatic license, you get a pretty hefty fine. So that's why most people in this country learn to drive a stick shift. And most people throughout their entire life here will drive a stick, stick shift. Especially the sports cars here tend all to be stick shift because it's much more fun. Uh, I, I didn't find it fun, though. <laughs> Trust me. if you're it, It's in better like, for the gears. I know this much. You know, automatic at If you're so. in an Audi TT, it's a lot more fun to do your own stick shifting, to do your own shifting yeah, when you're like on a the track. Movies, yeah? Than, uh, than yeah, they also have car crashes in the movies. Anyways, so this song, Fast Car, <laughs> what was the gift that you got uh, your boyfriend? So uh, I decided that giving him stuff was not really going to happen because he already owns much more stuff than I do. So I decided to give him an experience. And we were supposed to go or still hoping to go to a wedding yes. of a friend of mine, which is in Abu Dhabi in the, in the Emirates. And uh, one of the largest... Uh, uh, racing courts is in Abu Dhabi in the world. Yes, I've uh, yeah. And heard of this. they offer a surface in which you can drive a Caterham car. It looks so much fun out there on the course for um, I think half an hour. So you can race this basically skelter, skelter like body with a huge ass engine in there around the course for half an hour. Uh, with only a helmet on and some protective gear and, you know, do your thing instead of... <laughs> with only a helmet on and some protective gear. So just the full fucking set. Th- so, okay. yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's not too much. Uh, and you can, you know, have your kicks on, on an actual, like, Formula One track. So I decided to give that to him, to give him that experience. Nice. That's a, sounds like a very fun experience, I'll let alone sh- going to Abu Dhabi. I, uh, I've never been to Abu Dhabi, but I I've think I have a friend from there. I've been a couple of times. Um, I prefer Abu Dhabi over Dubai, but that's really yeah. But Dubai is basically Vegas, but then in another desert. Yeah, I uh, I have a friend that went there for a weekend. Not really, but they. I thought he did. What? It's a long story from a long time ago. It's uh okay. So to give some backstory, just real quick, uh, during the summer I I took this math course and uh, this guy I heard which is one of my good friends, uh, his name's Mohanad, said he was going to, uh, what I heard was he was going to Dubai. Right. Over the weekend. And I was like, okay, well, you have fun. Tell me how it is. Because I had to go to LA for a week just to get a document because they would not mail it. Uh, what kind of company is that that they wouldn't mail it It was to? for like some sort of like grade thing, like uh, for like testing that I left high school early because I took a test that said I was able to go to college. So you were had to go to high school to pick they up the test? They would not mail it internationally. And because we had all moved to Europe at the time, there was no way they were going to... Whatever happened to faxing or diplomatic post? There was no or option UPS. for that. I had to go there. Post pigeon. Actually, what, why I had to go there was because they wouldn't accept like credit cards or like you know a mail check. I had to do That's a money wrong. order which means I had to be in the United States, go to a local bank, 
and the United States and then get my certificate. It was the biggest pain in the ass of my life. People, if you didn't just hear the bang, that was my mouth. It just fell on the floor. <laughs> no, but it was, a, it was a true pain in the ass. But anyways, so he, I thought he was going to Dubai. I said, have a great weekend. The entire time, all of my friends were like, dude, he, he went to Germany for like, for like just a little bit uh, and then came back. But they all pretended like he went to Dubai. I'm like, hey, Mohammed, how's Dubai? He's like, that's great, man. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's lots of sand, lots of, uh, lots of drinks. You know, it's a, it's a fun time. It's really hot here. And I was like, oh, well, sounds like a fun time. I don't know. It was, uh, it was one of those things. Anyways, but where did he go? Actually, he went to Germany. But where in Germany? Because Dubai is not a town in Germany. I think he went to Maastricht, but then he like hopped over. Maastricht is Dutch. I know, but like then I think he went over to wherever Germany is from there. I know he has family there. This is besides the point. <laughs> the point was Dubai, less than uh, Abu Dhabi, racetrack, boyfriend. Gifts. Life. Birthday. Yeah, basically important very important no it's a so when so, is your girlfriend's nice. birthday uh well actually her birthday is november 3rd mm. and we actually um celebrated our birthday last year together at Aww. a birthday party uh together at uh at my building we rented the dining room i i made spaghetti uh for the guests that like were Early? Coming in and out of the, the building. Well, no, the uh, for the a select few guests because there was there wound up being like around like twenty, twenty two people. That's quite a lot. Around and uh, I had a lot of beer for everyone and so much beer. I got six crates of Hertagian, and after the party, I still had three crates left. Those three crates slowly over the months until today. I finally, just I think last week, finally am down to the last crate. It took up so much fucking space in my apartment. <laughs> Can't imagine. It was like a temporary like footrest. Anyways, mm. but um, but yeah, no. Uh, for for that, you know, we threw a party together. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we split it yeah, evenly. I think uh, for her birthday, I actually what I did was because she's very much into practical things. Right. Uh, she doesn't really like you know things that just kind of clutter space. So what I actually got her was a nice soft uh, bathrobe. Which uh, oh, she really, really, nice. really liked. Oh, and, that's uh, really nice. Yeah, fit perfectly. So yeah, so good yeah. job on thoughtful gifting. Very proud of you. You know, I think everyone deserves a, a bathrobe, like a like a soft one, not like a not a towel one, like a legit like it's soft like one. Like soft, cuddly one. Yeah. It's like wearing a blanket. Yeah, most likely, and it's also the thing you tend to wear when you're just out of the shower and you're still like warm of the shower, and it's ah, oh, it's so comfortable. Yeah. I love mine. It's like, as a woman, you have a sincere love affair with your bathrobe. Just, you know, it's just always there for you. Exactly. So It'll never let you down. No. And it's always just wrapped right around you. It's so nice. Or leave you. Hmm. It will never break your heart. No. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, growing up, you know, uh, all the women in my household uh, had robes. And it was a huge thing. You had your robe. You had your tea. You had your toast. Yeah. And Definitely. You just, you just relaxed. I guess this is like cross, cross, cross the planet. Almost, actually, every woman I know owns a bathrobe and does just that: bathrobe, tea, toast, or cookie, or whatever, whatever in the morning mm -hmm. or breakfast or evening. It's, it's yeah, it's you know, it's all yeah. 
It's, it's and strange. you pass down that robe to your kids. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, true. No, no, not really. Well, no, kind yeah, of. yeah, it, that does happen. I mean, that's what my grandmother did to my mom, who then helped me pick out my robe because there's no way I was going to wear, you know, a woman's robe. No. Uh, and my robe's actually still in California. Th- there's two things which women tend to pass down to their daughters it's the robe and a wedding dress. Yeah, jewelry. Ah, yeah, yeah dress, but that just becomes way robe. later in life. Just usually whenever, you know, they go around the court and they disappear, then you get the jewelry. I never really got jewelry. I mean... Yeah, but you're a guy. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. That's where you're that conversation You're talking to the stops. wrong woman. I, 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 yeah, it's pretty common in my family, so... Mm, fair enough. I, I don't think, I don't think my girlfriend wears earrings. I, I don't I don't think recall. so, but because, you know, she's training to be a doctor, it's very inconvenient. My yeah, best friend has yeah. the same, so she doesn't wear anything, although she owns very beautiful pieces. It's just not convenient in a hospital because you have to take everything off, especially when you go on patient's visits. You're not allowed to wear it because a lot of bacteria get in and on your jewelry. Mm-hmm. I got that. And, uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's why I got her uh, a bathrobe for her birthday. So and she got, me, she got me uh, a few shirts. That's handy. And uh, actually, they were... <laughs> so she got me a, a striped shirt, which actually kind of reminded me of um, of back when I was a kid. Not your Blue's Clues outfit, was it? No, 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 no. Not that kind of stripes. But it was like a... I don't know. There was like something... You know, it has a pocket on the front. And it's like a t-shirt, too. And it's blue. It has like thin stripes around it. Mm. But it made me think of like what I used to wear when I was a kid. And I used to wear a lot of these shirts. And I actually showed up to school one day. I was wearing this shirt. I was wearing some khakis. And uh, <laughs> this is actually starting to sound a little bit like Blue's Clues, but it wasn't. And I wore my Converse. Um, and everyone's like, you look like a giant five-year-old. And I was like, oh, I, I feel like a giant five-year-old. <laughs> I think well, I was just embodying like a giant five-year-old. Aww. Like I looked like I was in kindergarten, maybe just a little bit. You know? Shirt was uh, adorable. It's fine. That was the one time I didn't tuck in my shirt. You're welcome, Mark. And uh, and yeah, that's why I got. And ever since then, I was tucking the shirt. But uh, but no, you know, some other shirts, you know, went really nicely. But yeah, that's uh, that's what we exchanged for for our birthdays. Are we gonna? Uh, are at we least, going? Uh, are so, we gonna do a song? Yeah, let's. Uh, happy no, <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, so all this talk about birthdays, uh, and I think just cherishing, you know, people that you, know, you spend time with. And, mm. And you're with. I think. Uh, I think it's. I think it's appropriate that we we pick a song that reminds us of of these people. And I actually, uh, what I'll play is a song that I actually sang during a during my first date with Leonie, and uh, we sang it in karaoke. We talked about liking karaoke so much, and then we stumbled upon the bar that I usually go to, uh, the Biblios. Right. <laughs> On uh, it was a Friday. And for the first time, other than Monday, they were doing karaoke. And we this was one of the songs that we sang together. Aww. This is Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Aww. Aww. I was like, damn it, Natalie. <laughs> You're welcome.
And that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. Learn, live, listen, learn.